This podcast is brought to you by STEM Recruitment Solutions. STEM Recruitment Solutions was formed to merge the knowledge and recruitment skills of Scotland's best known and talented technical recruiters, covering jobs from bench to boardroom across the science, technology, engineering and maths industries. STEM Recruitment Solutions is an independent specialist consultancy working with and supporting clients on the cutting edge of their industry. STEM exists because they know firsthand that good people can transform business and the right jobs transform lives. Find out more at stemrexsolutions.co.uk And if any business comes to STEM through the podcast, they've pledged to make a donation to the football club. So please, mention us when you get in touch. Welcome to the OTL podcast. We're delighted to be here tonight. We've got a, a bit to discuss uh, and joining me for the first time in a long time, uh, Alan Porteous. Alan, how the devil are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm on here, obviously, to talk about who, who we're going to give free transfers to, all, the, <laughs> all that end of season nonsense that's in. Is the, is the pitch going to be relayed? That sort, that sort of mundane stuff. Yeah. And uh, also joining me, well, I think... Diamond TV's premier co-commentator <laughs> is what his Twitter bio says. Andrew Duffy, how are you, Andrew? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm still pretty much on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. very good, thanks. I mean, that's where we need to start. So there's no point even getting into tactics or anything. As a footballing <laughs> experience, uh, Andrew, I mean, uh, give us your, your, your thoughts on that. I mean, we've had late drama this season a few times, right? We've had exciting matches through the years that I've been watching us in some kind of mad scorelines. But that was the most stupid game of football I have ever seen in the flesh or, or even just watching on screen. I can't think of a single game that's been as flat-out bonkers as that for sheer mentalness, everything about it. Um, a fairly gutting first half when everybody thought we'd had our tea, you know, we were dead and buried. You get one back, it goes 3-1, you think, oh, we're definitely dead and buried now. We've been cremated, but to then come back the way we did and the place was rocking, the goals were all different and Callum Smith was playing like a man possessed. The whole thing was just absolutely bonkers. Alan Porteous and I bumped into each other outside the stadium after full time and we both, I imagine, had the exact same dazed and confused look in our eyes and we just sort of looked at each other and absolute we were just agog it was just a moment of did we just witness that did you looking at alan and thinking right if, if he's seen it as well we've seen the same thing and it did happen bedlam alan and all your years supporting airdrie uh, has there been much like that no i don't think so there's been very very good performances uh you know backs to the wall stuff airdrie doing more than they ever should do uh, as a small team, but no, abs- absolutely not. It was it was fantastic. I think, uh, you know, and, and I think Callum Smith played the best game, individual performance in a diamond that I think I've ever I've ever seen. And uh, you know, the, the whole team stood up. We had everything there, really, didn't we? Easton uh, stood up and showed how how good a player he was. Dicey at the back was just incredible. We had. Uh, Big John coming on and 
you know, having pr probably not been overly effective at times. Um, I I have to say, I always saw a player in there. I have to say it. Um, once we get once we get the feel that we don't have to. Look, he's not very good in the, in the air for a big guy. He can get the ball at his feet. He seems to have a bit of vision. And I think he probably, you could almost credit him with three assists as well as the goal. You know, he was just involved in everything. So it just it just really had everything. And I got I got up in the morning, got up on Sunday morning and thought, I've had this weird dream, you know, that, <laughs> that we won 6-4. And, uh, you know, if in the real game we do half as well as that, then that would be brilliant. And then we thought, yeah, oh no, wait a minute, yeah, that was real. So yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, it was just all so unexpected. So the, the first leg, okay, one nil away from home. You think we're still in the game? That's all right. To go two 0 down, we're seeing before we we started. I was getting heavy Sterling Albion vibes. That was that one kind of started the same, and a bit of Clyde away as well. And I was sitting with my brother, and we were talking about this is just sad. This is a sad way for it to end. This team's been so good, uh, and then. Kind of came into the game a little bit, but not really. At halftime, I thought they were probably worth their... They took their chances. We, they, we weren't all over them like we had been at points on the, the Tuesday night game. Uh, I was like, how are we going to score three times um, to, to get back into this? Uh, and then uh, second half, you get the goal, you get a bit of hope. And then we're also saying they, they score straight away. Uh, and our players are just, if you go back and watch the highlights, just all lying on the ground, looking bereft, uh, and people were leaving. Uh, I know a couple of people who left that. Fortunately for them, Callum Smith scored so quickly, they didn't leave the stadium and they were able to get back in it and, and see the rest <laughs> of it. But there will be some out there who didn't didn't see the rest of it. Uh, and then it's just, it's just, that way sport can be amazing. So... It's like Man United against Bayern Munich, it's Liverpool and Istanbul. There's loads of examples, but just the daft way that it can turn around. The only game I can think was a bit like it was the, the Dunfermline Cup tie where we got the two the, the two late goals and just the, the daftness of that as well. But I didn't feel as, as if we were out of that game uh, and the way that I felt on, on Saturday. And, and as you say, just bizarre how good it was because you... I mean, everything we said in the last podcast was wrong. If you go back and listen to it, we've slammed Afolabi. Uh, we've uh, said, don't put five strikers on whatever you do because we just go to pot, but but it just worked. Uh, and as you see, all the goals were different. Lots of different scorers. Even Jordan Allen didn't score, but got that little touch in front of his man to knock the second Smith goal just on him to let him slam at home. Um, so he played his, his part as well. Uh, just... Absolutely incredible, uh, and what a buzz! Uh, leaving the stadium, with, stadium with that, um, yeah, that will I'll live long in the memory. But I, I don't know, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It was just, just breathtaking. I remember at three three, having a horrible feeling, and it just, it just clicked with me that are we going to go out here because of that goal at Montrose? You know, the whole season up the spout because of a wild swipe that just didn't go to the right place and the, the keeper was too far out and, you know, just, just a disaster like that. And I thought, that's just going to be so poetically unjust, uh, uh, really, which, you know, it, it starts to beg that question, doesn't it, about the whole... And I know we are still in the playoffs, but I'm just so against them. You know, you have a league or you have a cup. You don't have a whole league for 36 games and then... You know, set it up as a cup situation that allows teams that are that were never in it to you know to, to get a chance. And here, I suppose here we've got that again. 
How many points were Queen's Park behind 20, us in the league? 21. 21. 21 points, but, you know, behind and, and they have a chance to, you know, to, to, to snatch it. And, and, and I'm not, I just don't agree with that. And we need to, the, the powers that be have to have a look at this again. I think I was watching Milton Keynes Dons as well, who went out the other night to uh, Wickham or something. It's kind of, who were sixth in that league. And, and, and yeah, and English leagues are far, far bigger than ours. So, you know, you, you can at least understand that a bit more. But a team that finishes fourth in a league of 10 should not be getting a chance to, uh, to, to, to play a two cup ties effectively. And circumstance being as it, as it may be, and we'll talk about Firhill's pitch in a minute or two, no doubt. But, you know, that is, it is a bit of a lottery at times. I'm totally sympathetic to what Alan's saying, and I agree with about the playoffs. They, they, without it just coming from Airdrie fans who, you know, um, <laughs> wish we were just up already and that it was all, all done and dusted. Um, certainly, I like the playoffs to an extent. But for me, two up, two down. And maybe if you want to have playoff games for the excitement they clearly bring, then third top versus third bottom in a playoff match, I could get behind that. But as Alan says, if you get a 10 team league, Aside finishing in fourth, getting a chance to to do that, it, it does it does seem preposterous. Um, it's up to us to make sure that doesn't happen this time around. But yeah, I think it's definitely a format that, that could be changed. That being said, that being said, I know I might be tempting fate here, and we might get put out now that I say this. But Ian Murray did say in his post match interview he doesn't buy into jinxes and all that. And who am I to argue with with a gaffer after what he's given us this season and his absolute masterclass at the weekend? Totally rope a dope, Stuart Petrie, um, <laughs> by pretending to gift goals. Well, actually, gift <laughs> goals, pretending, pretending that we had nothing uh, up our sleeve when they knew all along, and we all knew all along. We're all pretending here. Oh, I didn't see it coming, but we'd all been briefed that this was going to happen. Um, had, you don't want to had, score a goal very early on, do you? You don't want to yeah, score exactly. a goal and have to defend it and maybe end up drawing one each. Yeah, to the death, and then when when they're tired. And, and deflated and and, and they were absolutely Montrose must have been uh, just emotionally drained and yeah. absolutely sucker punched you know you can and they were you know much like the first game did you know they just looked as if they were completely out in their feet with a, from the last 20 minutes yeah, they, it felt like they must have been thinking how have we not killed these bastards how are they still coming back at us how are they still alive how are they still going because, like everyone, they must have thought they were home and hosed. But uh, as much as it would have been great to win the league, and as much as the playoffs are a bit farcical with the way they're set up, had Cove not gone on that unbeaten run that was just slightly better than ours, we'd never have got. We'd never have got Saturday. And that will live longer than than yes. any any title win might have, might have lived, lived. You know, if Cove had dropped a few more points and we'd managed to win a couple of those Clyde games... I don't know that that sticks in the memory quite as much as the most bonkers game of football any of us may ever live to see. So on the caveat that this only counts if we do the business and go through, it's worked out quite nicely because that was just just utterly amazing. Is it wrong to feel like it? To me, it almost feels that we've got another free hit at it. Yeah. Um, you know, which you know is ridiculous since I think we're the better team by the two by a considerable margin, but just that whole feeling that we had at half time on Saturday, this almost feels like a bonus. Because we were out. 
in everybody's much, mind, and- we were now out and we were now thinking about next season and are we going to lose players? Are we going to lose manager? Are we going to lose this? Are we going to lose that? How do we try and possibly come back again next season after this and look at all the teams and looking at them firm on Queen's Park still at that point being tied and thinking Queen's Park could definitely get something here and then that's a great opportunity and another big team coming down. So yeah, you're right. It's totally a free hit because we, we'd all pretty much resigned ourselves. Everyone that is apart from the players, Carl Smith in particular, who just wasn't for having it. <laughs> While I will be hugely disappointed if we don't go up, bearing in mind the circumstances that we're in just now, I think you're right. I think you almost you can't take Saturday away away from us and win, lose or draw in the next couple of games. It's it's just been a phenomenal effort, and I think you know there's nothing you can take away from from those players, you know, and, and the effort and the enjoyment that they've, they've given us. I think over the whole season, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Except for the Peterhead game up at Peterhead, that was pretty unenjoyable. <laughs> and we won it, and we won that. Yeah. <laughs> we ground out a victory with very little drama. <laughs> I agree with you on the playoffs. I think I think it's probably time for league reconstruction for the reason of the third tier's getting ridiculous. And, and if we don't go up, you're like, oh my goodness, like Queen of the South, Dunfermline, uh, Falkirk. I mean. If if they if they ever manage to to get it together, uh, Oak could get relegated next year. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be consistent with the trend that they're on. Uh, as even Aloha, you think how well Aloha did for a few years, uh, and they're they're too. So, like you could have a twenty team second tier, uh, and then as you say, have your two down third bottom in a playoff, uh, and okay, the top league's not going to offer up. More relegation from the league, but actually, do, do you know what stuff them try and make the, the the lower leagues a bit more exciting? Why do we need to have this three leagues of ten? Uh, the, the pyramids bringing in investment, different stories, different teams, whatever. Uh, we probably do need a, a change, but that's I think that's a conversation for for another day, and hopefully, we can be one of those teams voting against it to serve our interests. Aye, once we're up, get soon. that drawbridge put away. <laughs> Uh, just another couple of things that I, I'd noted. I, I really felt for Scott McGill, and we we really talked up the change of McGill for McGill to solidify us a bit. Uh, that long walk around and Kyle McDonald, that long walk around outside of the pitch, uh, was looking. Is he going to do? Is he going to go to the bench or straight up the tunnel? Went straight up the tunnel, but I imagine he would have burst into tears as soon as he went into the uh, the changing room. Just a, a really tough afternoon for for both of them, and you forget. Kyle McDonald's a young player as well. I know he left his and went to Dunfermline or, uh, and has come back, but like Callum Smith, he's, he's still ridiculously young. So just hope that they're they're, they're okay. Uh, I mean, what's the right changes to make? There's no room for sentiment when you're when you're three 0 down on on aggregate uh, and it worked. But I did I did really feel for them having a trip around. Well, look, they both contrib- they both contributed well over over the piece. So I mean, I don't think. Uh, you know, I don't think any Airdrie fans would would say otherwise. It just as you say, it wasn't it wasn't happening, and they were and they were struggling. And um, so, you know, it's, it's it's not good to be subbed as early as early on as that. But for the in the bigger picture, it worked. So that, that yeah. was another was, one was well, Centurion Callum Gallagher scoring the most Callum Gallagher <laughs> goal. <laughs> He's got more control. Teams. He's got more control and finesse in his thigh than a lot of League One players have in either foot. <laughs> it's brilliant, he, isn't it? Isn't he snake hips? <laughs> it, was, it was exactly the right thing to do. But even do you know what the, else as well? That, that 
that finish was so emblematic of that whole period of play because that was that weird moment where the keeper comes out and flaps um, under pressure of a dicey and dicey kind of half sort of corkscrew spins to flick it back into the box. And then there's a couple of, we'll say they were passes, okay, but I think there was a couple of miscued shots in there from Alan and from John and then back to John and he gets it knocked along to Gal and Gal is... As Alan's christened them, snake hips just swivels, <laughs> gives it a bit of the Elvis, Elvis the pelvis stuff. I was thinking about it. Do you think Gal practices with a hula hoop? <laughs> <laughs> he, he does. He does twenty minutes on a hula hoop before he goes on the pitch, just in case he's in the in the in a couple of yards out and he's got to sling a hip in the, the general direction. They all count, as they say, and what a goal to take it! What a moment that was when when you knew we'd. I don't know about you guys, but when we got that goal, taking it to extra time, and it's easy to say it now, but myself, everybody around me in the, the part of the stand that I was in all thought we're going to win this. There's only one team who's going to win this in extra time. If, if anyone's going to do it, it's just going to be them hanging on to see if they can survive to penalties because it seemed that everything was with us, having made the comeback. So that moment was like lift off. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, mean, I was willing them to... If we're going to be critical, you know, the number of times in the in the second half that we were lofting a, a kind of percentage diagonal ball into the box, and I just kept screaming, "Don't bother doing that! You can actually just you can you can pass the ball and walk the ball through the middle of the park." How because Montrose are so dead in their feet here, you don't need to play a long ball here at all because they'll not put up an effort. But yet and yet, the irony of the whole thing was that it was the big percentage long ball. <laughs> That the goalie comes out for that he's got no business coming out for that actually ends up giving us the goal. So they obviously knew Fleming was going to do it at some point. I don't know because he'd, he'd clutched a few crosses, but I don't know. There's a few times over the course of a few seasons was Fleming still in goals for them uh, last season when Crichton put a cross in that he flaps into the net two two at the last kick of the ball to keep our hopes alive last season after the break. I don't know if it was him, but it was definitely up at Montrose and the Montrose goalie absolutely flapped one in. I think Crichton got given the goal, but 100% it was an own goal. <laughs> the keeper just fired it into his own net. So I don't know if, if that was him, then maybe he's got previous and they, they kind of knew. But yeah, you're right. The players we have on the park, all the forward players we had there, it was like, pass it into their feet. They don't. It worked. And, you know, we all know what happened after that. I did like Seagull versus Seagull and there could only be one winner. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, right. Is there anything else to say on the Seagull? Big actually, John Affalabi. Yeah. Big John Affalabi. What a performance. I don't know. You know, we, a lot of Airdrie fans and a lot of us had, um, I would say particularly the, the last game, the Peterhead match, um, was probably the one where he drew most ire from supporters. Um, because it didn't seem that he had um, played to his um, to his capacity. So I think we've seen in flashes um, with the goals that he'd scored already and a few touches here and there that there was something there was something there. Um, so for it to come on after after a difficult time in that Peterhead game at the end of the season, when frankly would have been tough for any of our strikers because we were playing very much a, a weak inside for obvious reasons. So you're not completely, you know, creating the barrel load of chances we usually do with all your, your Eastons and your Frizzles and everybody else involved. Um, for him to come on 
play the way he did, demonstrated why Celtic took a punt on him and, and brought him in, demonstrated why we were keen to get him in on loan in the first place and showed what he can do because he had, Sean Dillon had coasted most of the game and then Afal Abbey comes on and had him on toast. Dillon couldn't deal with him at all. And he was brilliant. His goal was fantastic. You know, the composure to bring it across his body and left foot in at the bottom corner. And then the setup for Gabby's goal. That's ridiculous. He's keeping it there. He's keeping it there. He's screaming, just keep it there. And he rolls him like, he, like no one's it was like business. Gareth Bale. Do you remember Gareth Bale did it? Aye. Was it Euro Championships? Or? That's right. Incredible. Whatever. Aye, absolutely. Uh, and Gabby's finish, having screamed at my iPad on the the Tuesday <laughs> night, at shooting from a stupid angle. It's an even <laughs> stupider angle, if that's a word. Uh, but yeah. the way it kind of bounces up, because it does kind of bobble a bit, and he just absolutely smashes it and, and shout out to Robert Dozell the, the, the photos like frame by frame uh, he's, uh, he must have had rapid fire on or something because it's, it's brilliant the goalie doesn't see it uh, flaps his head out the way and his hair goes everywhere uh, and the ball just about takes the roof of the net off it's, it's, it's an incredible when they finish the, the route uh, and then just concede a wee goal after that to make it just a bit nervy again because it was getting it was getting too comfortable um yeah just a bizarre afternoon uh yeah so on to thursday night then uh next day so we've already touched on it uh, i mean the farhill pitch does now have grass on it but i'm sure it's going to be a bobbly mess um, I, I thought that as well it did it did look watching the highlights of the the Dunfermline game it looked as either that or they painted it i think they did it. i think they just painted some dirt yeah Painted aye. sand. Aye, aye. Because the American golf courses used to do that, you know, to make <laughs> to make them look greener. Um, going back in the day, so maybe they just had a guy on a green sawdust, something like that. I don't know, but it definitely did look a little bit better. But I'm sure as soon as the first kick of the ball bobbles over somebody's foot, we'll be back at it again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, how do we approach this game? Uh, I, mean, I guess, do you line up two, three, five? And what, 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 what on earth do we do? We need to reset, I think, and get back to actually playing football. I mean, that Montrose game was mad because that's not the same type of side Montrose are either. We know how good they are at the, the, the dark arts. And actually, at the start of the second half, there was loads of just little pushes close to the, the byline, closest to our stand. They'd go over, they'd get the free kick. Their players were losing their heads. And you thought, they need to come and just stop giving them the easy fouls. Uh, so you thought that they would just see out they didn't. We're not the type of team that tends to concede as many goals as that uh, and as, as many soft ones. So what do we do? I think we need to kind of calm down a bit with all this last year getting excited with a late flat by a goalkeeper and an extra time win over Cove. Queen's Park are no mugs. They managed four games against Cove without a, a, a defeat. Uh, I think with a couple of victories. However, in six, am I correct? Six games against us. They've been rolling in both cups. Uh, they haven't beaten us other than once on penalties, but normal time of four draws and two edgy wins. So I feel like we should be confident going into it, but there's obviously it's not a, it's not a given at all. Uh, so we need to settle down and focus on the job in hand and defend a lot better than we did because basically we gave Montrose a three goal head start. I think, I think um, encouraging, encouragingly. I don't think Queen's Park have as much about them up front as probably Montrose do. Um, I, I mean, and, and to be honest, I think for a good, for a good decent team, Queen's Park are as poor up front. I think as I've as I've seen, they're they're, they're pretty inept. 
actually, and, and it's been kind of well documented. And I was I was watching the highlights, Andrew, with you and Brian talking about them, and it just you know that you're going on and on and on about you know just if they had somebody up front to uh, to to do something, and but they just seem to constantly get into reasonable positions and blaze it over the bar, pass it into the the goalie's hands, you know, just not, they, they don't look as if they carry a, a huge forward threat. And I know this is all tempting fate again, isn't it? Yeah. You just hear the words coming out of mouth here. But, you know, that, that's that got to be encouraging, which hopefully means that we can potentially play our own game. And if, if nothing else, maybe just learn from the last game at home where we went to nothing up at half time. And I felt we kind of, we managed the game but we gave them far, far more opportunity to get back into the game than maybe was necessary. You know, they, they, they did have a couple of half chances in, in the second half that wasn't really as necessary. We should be able to stand toe-to-toe with them. And if we do that, our forward-thinking guys, we will win the day, we will prevail because they don't have anything like that. So, you know, just keep keep it tight. And uh, uh, I think the guys, the forward guys, midfield front, Front wise, we'll, we'll we'll do enough, but not don't don't back lads and you know play very deep and uh, and as I say, give them an opportunity. That's the, that's the best way. I think yeah, I'm tempted to come on here and say, well, it doesn't even matter what happens on Thursday because they can get as much of a lead in the first leg as they want. <laughs> we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just sort them out at our place on the Sunday. But when it thinking about it realistically, it's quite straightforward in a way, right? First of all, Montrose play against us in a very particular way. And I think it was Emma pointed out in the, the group chat that we have, um, we behind the curtains peak there, that they sit a lot closer onto your midfield players than um, pretty much anybody else in the division has done all season. And that caused us a, a wealth of problems and meant that we had much less time on the ball to get the passing right and get the moving right when they were having to set off as more because they were starting to die a death on the game on Saturday, that's when we were able to really start cutting them open and create chances. I don't think Queen's Park have that approach about them, albeit clearly they're, by all accounts, a different animal under own coil than they were any time they, they played us beforehand, whether it was under Ellis or uh, Boker or Beaker, whatever his name was, the um, director of football that took over for a bit. <laughs> yeah, that took over for a bit. Um, but when it boil it down to brass tacks, if both teams play to their absolute maximum, Airdrie will win. Because we've demonstrated over the course of the season that we've got better players than they do and are a better team than they are, hence the disparity in points. So if we play to our best, we will come through the two ties victorious, just as just as Alan said. That's that's got to be the the way to think about it. Queen's Park aren't as good as Montrose, so we know we can do it. I'm glad they put out Dunfermline because I feel like we learned last time around, if you're going to play the team coming down, you want to get them first when they're absolutely at their lowest ebb because they've just failed or they've they've been beaten into second bottom place. So they're at their lowest ebb. They've not had the chance to win a tie and get a bit of belief back into their players who've been playing at a higher level. So I was I was pleased about that. If the Fairman had come through, then they might have that bit of extra belief to give them a bit of an edge. I think we just have to um, 
play the kind of games we have been playing most of the season, try and not gift as many um, opportunities, but also go into it with the confidence and belief that must be at absolutely ridiculously high levels in that that squad. You've seen the way they kept going. The, the way Cal Smith would run back from Montrose's box deep into our half, win the ball off someday and then carry it yards or play it forward. They believe that they're going to do it. The determination amongst them all is, is huge. So, you know, I find it very difficult to to see a way that Queen's Park get through this tie unless we don't turn up. It's as simple as that. Turn up and we're through. And what about what we've learned from, from Saturday or, or who do you, you start? Uh, it seems harsh, but I think you still... Gallagher's just been given player of the month. Smith's on fire. Those two have been scoring regularly. I don't think there's any need for change there. Easton Frizzle, you don't you don't change. Uh, there's a question about Agnew where he is or or McCabe there uh, with Josh Kerr potentially going in at, at centre half, and then you need to decide what you're doing at right back. But actually, what's in if he's fit? What he did look absolutely solid on uh, on Saturday, and he didn't look like he was struggling at all. So. I mean, I think I think the only decision I would have to make is to play Agnew or to put Kerr in and move move McCabe forward. I think with um with the way the second half in particular transpired, it kind of proves that to get the best out of Callum Smith, weirdly, you, I'm sure someone else mentioned this as well. Play him further away from the goal, like when he's out wide and is able to play on that kind of left side of a front three. He just seems to be at times unplayable. Um, he certainly was was at the weekend. So I think, as much as I was one of several people that was saying maybe switch the McGill's and have Scott McGill into the midfield because our midfield was being so um, pressed effectively by Montrose. Since that's not going to be the case here, and since it gets such a good game out of Calm Smith, keep Gabby McGill. Assuming all three of them are fit and ready to go, if any of my injury doubts, then there might be an argument for keeping the fact that the decisive round is going to be the Sunday in mind. If anyone picks up an injury on the Thursday and rules them out for that, if you're going to miss any game or benched for any game for fitness reasons, it should be the first leg because you've got the second leg to come. Um, But assuming everybody's fit, assuming everybody's um, ready to go, I would go with that front three. And yeah, I think Watson's performance more than merits a start at right back. I'm I'm almost on the point of declaring myself agnostic on the care at centre half or McCabe at centre half thing because they there's pros and cons to both and McCabe's been brilliant at centre half for us over many many games and over the most of the season. That being said, care we, we know how crucial he was to us in our later run last year and his his kind of injury and the Cove game was one of the reasons we really struggled against Montrose, eh, Montrose, eh, Morton. So there's definitely arguments on both sides on that. So I, I really can't make that call. Um, I think if any coaching team have uh, earned the right to have their judgment trusted, it's probably this one. But I think what Saturday proved is it's a squad game. So even the guys who don't start, you, you see the difference some of those subs make and that the, the quality in certain areas in their squad could be crucial. So how we start the game maybe won't necessarily be as important as how we finish it. Alan, you, ch- you changing anything? No, not really. I think I think I've always been an advocate of the the, the care at centre back when he's been available. 
as as much to have McCabin further up the park. I just always feel we're a bit more of a compact unit and everybody plays slightly further up the pitch when that happens. And and that's and that means that Agnew, I think, can't play because again, one of the problems I, I, I felt was that when we've gone a halfway house with that and McCabe and Agnew have both played in the middle of the park, it's you know, they're kind of fighting to play in the same position or they tend to get it the wrong way around if that's going to happen. It, it, it tends to be that Agnew plays as the holding guy and McCabe plays in front of him. I, I don't think it's in Ian Murray's view to play it the opposite way around and, and have McCabe you know, in the holding role and, and Agnew in front. So much as I think you know, Agnew's played pretty well over the piece, I would have him dropping out and coming on to strengthen something. If, if it's a hold-on job or it's a stifle situation, uh, that type of thing. Kerr hasn't played many games, granted. Um, but again, going back to this whole idea that I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure Queens Park are as much of a handful as as other teams are. But you know, up front, then that that, that doesn't give him as, as as much to bother about. And I also feel he, he deserves Kerr deserves a wee bit of credit. I thought coming into the Peterhead game. You know, you're playing with a whole team of fringe players. Of the fringe players that were playing, uh, or the, the squad of players that were on the park, I didn't think for a second that Kerr uh, looked like one of them. Kerr looked like a looked like a first team player coming back to fitness, and he was the man of the match for me, and well well deserved. He strolled it. Yeah. So you know, I, I think he's he, he looks in a, a, a position to. Uh, that it's it's worth that risk. He's not he's not played that frequently this season, but um, as I say, it just gives us a wee bit more that, that that compact unit, and everybody plays just a wee bit further up, up the pitch and and, and against hard working midfields, you know, it works better, I think. And what about us on Thursday night? Is it well kept the same underpants from Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. They're in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> Will they be out and ready for Thursday? Though I think is the crucial, is the crucial fact. I think I think obviously um, they might have been put in the bin and they were setting fire. Just <laughs> <laughs> Am I right in saying that the tickets were going to be behind the goal? Is that yeah, right? Well, that seems to be the the message online tonight. The John Lambie stand, which is the joke was it's going to have all their flags up. And we can just uh, maybe dispose <laughs> of those for them. But yeah, we're going to be behind the goal, which I actually think isn't a great vantage point to watch a game, but. I think it could, get really good, it could be a really good atmosphere, though. Yeah. Uh, just having all the other fans there, I think it'll make a lot of noise uh, and maybe make it feel a bit more like, not like a home game, but it'll give us a, a bit of an advantage. It won't be as daunting for uh, for them as, as it will be when they come to our place and it's going to be rammed on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th- I don't expect, no matter what the final result is on Thursday, um, whether it's a positive result for Airdrie or a positive result for Queen's Park, I don't expect either team is going to take a heavy defeat if there is a defeat at all for either side in the opening leg. So I fully expect it's going to be uh, very much an alive tie on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, again, I don't think a 1-0 defeat would be in any way, shape or form a cause for panic. Although you would hope we wouldn't need to go as mental to retrieve it in the second leg as we did on Saturday. Um but there's nothing, nothing apart from perhaps the Fur Hill pitch to stop us going and getting a win on Thursday and having an advantage of our own to take, which will 
create complications of its own because then it'll be a kind of weird situation to be in. Are you are you starting the game off at home defending something? I suppose cross that bridge when we come to it, but I expect they'll go out to try and win the match. And if we do so, that'll set it all up for, you know, I think the Excelsior Stadium will be at fever pitch if that happens. Come the preposterous kickoff time of 10 past one on Sunday. Because you know, can I mess with BBC Alba's schedule? That, that would be <laughs> that, that would be that would be disgraceful. I doesn't it in, interrupts Landward or something like that. <laughs> one, one of these farmers' outlook or something like that. Weir's way. You guys like Montrose? We're we're out of time, but thank you very much. Do, do, do. Come on and do the